Hi, I'm Harry. Hi, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Yes, welcome to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. Uh, but today we're not celebrating a particular movie. In fact, we're celebrating the entire genre. Why are we doing that today, Rory? We're doing that today because we have a special guest with us, the author of Lights, Camera, Game Over, How Video Game Movies Get Made. It's Luke Owen. Hello. Hello. Thank you very much for joining us. Very, at, very welcome. At this table. <laughs> You're very, very welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It is very nice to hang out with somebody who is as much of a fan of terrible movies as we are. But as I said, I'm not, we're not we're not haters on this podcast. We're celebrators. Um, I guess a good a good place to start is why a book about video game movies. What what sort of you just sat there sort of enjoying a, a cup of tea and thought, you know what I'm going to do for the next X months of my life? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the next couple of years of my life, as it, as it turned into being. Uh, so I was a big fan of David Hughes's book, um, Tales from Development Hell mm. and Great Sci-Fi Movies Never Made, which we were talking about earlier. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, when I was, particularly when reading Great Sci-Fi Movies Never Made, I thought, why isn't there a version of this about video game movies? Because I was obsessed with Super Mario Brothers. Because mm-hmm. mm. every time I watched Super Mario Brothers, my first thought ever was like, how did this get made? Yeah. yeah. How, how did we go from this to that? I remember 93 very well. I remember waiting for the Mario movie with great anticipation and thinking it's got to shit all over Jurassic <laughs> Park. <laughs> <laughs> so they both have dinosaurs in it. And I think they were released within two weeks of each other. Yes, very well. I remember close. like news round doing like an interview with kids and they just couldn't wait for Mario. And... You know, history shook out a different way. <laughs> and to you, uh, a fun little story, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I've ever told anyone this story. Oh, yes, gosh. So but on, for, my, here. for my birthday uh, in December 1992, my parents got me a uh, Nintendo Game Boy cake. And it had Mario leaping out of the wow. screen. Really, really cool well, 3D like, was, cake. Was, was that a sexy Mario? Like a stripper? <laughs> <laughs> Just so it wasn't emerging from the cake. Oh, okay, okay. Happy birthday, Mr. President sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, it, was... it was just, just going, it's a me. It's yeah. a Mario. <laughs> and I remember like, oh, it was like such a cool 3D cake. And you know, you light the candles and... Because you're, you know, you're seven years old. Your I parents, know how birthdays are done. Your, your, parents, your parents say to you, make a wish. My wish was, I wish Mario was real. <gasps> And then when the Mario movie came out, I remember telling my mum, mm-hmm. I wish Mario into existence. You wow. did. I was like a monkey's in... paw. Because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't everyone's In the idea. shape of Bob Hoskins. Yeah, yes. so sometimes I do feel guilty uh, for, you... for that film. Wished it upon the world. I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be the actor to replace Superman when he was too old to play... When Christopher Reeve yeah. was too old to play the role. So I felt personally responsible when he <laughs> had his accident and he got paralysed. <laughs> I literally thought that was me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, be careful what you wish, wish for. That's, that's, it's, it's, the, it's the lesson we're taking away yeah. here. Yeah. yeah, so I, I was a big fan of Super Mario Brothers. I was kind of obsessed with the, with the making of it. So I wanted to sort of do a bit of a, a deep dive into it. And I did, I did just a couple of like prelim interviews. I interviewed the guy that played Toad and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. a couple of bits pieces here and there. 
And um, sorry, that's where I've discovered smbmovie.com. Oh, okay. Yes. An incredible, incredible resource. The Bible. Oh, isn't it just? <laughs> absolutely the Bible of, of anything that Super Mario Brothers movie related. Um, <laughs> all I know is that they, they trust the fungus. That, yeah, that is, they, they trust they the They sit fungus. in a throne in a, in a disused... Yeah, giant balls of snot hanging above. I know. I'd like to imagine that's what their server room looks like. Then yeah. they just drop down and it's Lance Henriksen. Um, so I, then years and years passed, because this was you know way, way back when. And um, I was on holiday with my uh, then girlfriend, now my wife, and I was reading Blake J. Harris's book, Console Wars. Mm-hmm. And in that book, he has a section in, uh, on the Super Mario Brothers uh, movie. And I remember talking to uh, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, and I said, oh, this reminds me of an idea that I had about five years ago to write a, a book that's about video game movies. How weird is that? It's actually a really interesting story, blah, blah, blah. Then the next book I read was I reread Tales from Development Hell on the same holiday. It was actually the next book that I read. Mm-hmm. And after I finished that, and that book has a chapter on Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I thought, oh, it's another chapter. I about can a copy video- this idea. <laughs> it's, like, it's another chapter about a video game movie that's got a very interesting history. Mm. Huh. I wonder if more of them have. So I turned to my wife and I said, well, my girlfriend, I said, I'm going to write this book. I'm going to, when we get home, I was working freelance at the time. I was like, when we get home, I'm going to write up a pitch document. I'm going to send it out to publishers. I'm going to write my chapter on Super Mario Brothers. And I'm going to write this book. And when I got back from that holiday, I interviewed Blake Harris for a website that I was writing. Mm -hmm. And kind of spoke to him about the idea. Because I'd said to him, was there anything you cut out the the book? Was there anything like, for example, a Sonic movie? And he said, funny enough, there was. This was all sort of like off-air stuff that we were talking about. And I was like, and he goes, funny enough, there was. Instantly... I was like, there's more chapters to this. Mm, yeah. There's also the films that didn't get made. Yeah. So would this be, when would this Sonic movie have been made? Uh, this would have been in the mid-90s. It was before the Saturn had come out. Mm. So the idea was they were going to launch, they wanted to launch the Saturn and they wanted their Sonic Extreme game and they wanted the Sonic movie to kind of promote both of them. Mm-hmm. So it would be the sort of like trifecta, the sort of trident plan. Yeah, okay. And only one of them got released. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe if the film had come out the Saturn would have been more of a success well that's it and it's, it's funny reading like the, the, the treatment that the that the guy did for it is very much uh, Richard Jeffries wrote it and he it is like the you know, the kid plugs in his Sega Saturn and plays <laughs> oh, right. the, and plays the new Sonic game wow. and that's what brings Sonic into our world well I mean the trailers don't give much away for the new one but maybe um, there's some holdover yeah. I wonder if if they're going to get Richard Jeffries might end up getting some arbitration money. Yeah, <laughs> this process. I'm just wondering how they would have done. I mean, you said the mid '90s, so I'm assuming they would have fired a hedgehog out of a cannon to bring it up to speed and had like a zeotrope hedgehog going. What the actual? There was there was still CGI then, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah he, the oh, reference that Richard Jeffries always brings up was the Flintstones. Because oh, they had done Dino oh, in that, yeah. so like he was working mix with, of animatronic and CG. Yeah, yeah, so he was kind of working with uh, with DreamWorks mm-hmm. um, when once Sega has sort of like Sega had effectively let them go to to more companies because the the film was falling through, and DreamWorks was the company they took it to. But DreamWorks effectively said, "We're only interested in lapsed properties." Oh, okay. So we're interested in Casper, Flintstones, <laughs> you know, licenses we don't have to pay a lot of money for. Yeah. Okay. But Sega are like, we need to get our property to lapse. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and yeah. they've been doing I've very good work since we've been for the past 15 years. Sonic Mania has made too much money, we're doing it wrong. <laughs> Damn it. Release a terrible Sonic game quick. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> Release a trailer of this new Sonic. I've got thoughts about the new Sonic movie. Um, I really wish. I wanted my ugly baby to come 
come you know, to be brought into this world without the internet hate train. I know. I was so excited for it when I saw that trailer. I was like. I've been dreaming of this movie mm. since the 90s and this is my final product. I'm li- I cannot wait to see this. Now. Yeah. Mm, I don't, I, anyway, now they're going to change it. They're going to change it but um, Sonic's never been cool. <laughs> he's always oh, been a, hang he, on. He's been a bit of a tryhard. Hold on. Hold Dun- dungarees. Dungarees Hold and, uh, and uh, hats with and your a, initial... A good, honest on. job like plumbing. <laughs> yeah, or doctoring. Or, or doctoring or... Uh, Mario being a tennis umpire or whatever Mario does <laughs> what he feels like I mean it's helpful if your girlfriend's a princess an actual princess yeah supporting yeah. and coins your... can be got by headbutting bricks <laughs> which you never spend on anything <laughs> what would he spend his money on anyway I think we're moving on to the subject a little yeah, bit yeah so anyway so I, so I wrote my pitch document I sent it out and um, yeah publisher well our publisher really liked it mm-hmm. and asked me to write up a, a follow up chapter for it so I wrote uh, the chapter on Street Fighter I interviewed um, Stephen D'Souza and a couple mm-hmm. of other people um, Kenny Swada and I was like oh this is this is actually really cool as well the publisher really liked it and they said sweet give it to us in a year and mm-hmm. I was like awesome and as soon as I got the contract through and I signed everything I was like oh no <laughs> well, I'm going to write this thing <laughs> I, hope, I hope every other chapter is as interesting as the yeah. first two that I've written yeah. thankfully I'd say the, the vast majority of them <laughs> came interesting my brother was reading it as I was writing it and a lot of he sent me back to me at one point he said are you sure this book's interesting <laughs> and I said what do you mean and he said well every chapter is more or less someone has a really good idea the studio fucks it up and a terrible movie gets released and I'm like yeah. Welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> I was like, yeah. But I think that's that's interesting because w- what I very much enjoy about the book is that it isn't just your thoughts about all these movies, and it's not just this movie came out. It sucks. Everyone knows that. And here's another one. But you really get into. I mean, the, the subtitle is how video game movies get made. So it's really interesting to see, well, just because we have the night we see the finished product and it maybe doesn't live up to our expectations as fans of the video game it's based on, it's really fascinating to see the how it got to that point because you have a lot of, you know, interviews with the makers, the writers, actors, directors, and uh, yeah, so how did how did you manage to sort of pull on all those you know, all that talent. Well, I was uh, going to ask, actually, was anyone kind of reluctant to, uh, um, to talk? A couple of people weren't so much reluctant, they just sort of said they're not interested. Um, I did speak to, I nearly did an episode on Need for Speed. I, I won't say uh, what role they had, but I spoke to someone involved within the film. Did he spend most of his time in a lighthouse? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to narrow it down. What kind yeah. of car did they drive? <laughs> So I, uh, I spoke to someone involved within the production of the film and they sort of asked for a, a pre-interview where they would sort of like get an idea of the questions that I would ask okay. them. Mm-hmm. And this person would like sort of would answer the question and then would go, yeah, yeah I think that's okay. <laughs> or, or maybe I'll say this. And then we're, and would sort of re-answer it in another okay. way. And then eventually they were like, no, do you know what? We're, we're, we're not going to. I nearly did an, uh, a chapter on um, American McGee's Alice. Do you remember oh, the game with the PC? Mm, yeah, that's uh, um, my fiance. That's one of her favourite games of all time. Oh, it's a great game. Absolutely loved it. And I was really, really stoked to, to do it because American McGee got back in touch with me and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Wow. Yeah, this is, this is really cool. And he effectively said no for the reason being there's still a chance that it could get made mm. down the line. 
and he didn't want to sort of jeopardise anything yeah, that might come enough. out. So same with like I, I knew he did a, a chapter on the and, and Echo the Dolphin movie. Oh wow, that okay. he made in the nineties. Um, but again, it was the it was uh, Ed Anunziasa, the I think the guy that wrote uh, the created the game. But I might have said this name wrong. I can't remember. It's been so long. But he said effectively the same thing. We have plans for Echo, mm. so we don't want to say anything that might rub people the wrong way. Yeah, and so we'll, we'll we'll just say no for now. So I think that that's kind of yeah the, the sort of people that would have said no other outside of like Angelina Jolie's too busy yeah fair enough <laughs> or yeah Emilijovic just refused well I say she refused Paul Anderson refused on her behalf because okay. I, I did ask will she be interested in it and he was like she doesn't like talking to press okay I was like no that's, fair, that's enough. fair enough absolutely but, fine but you did you did get a forward by. Paul W.S. Anderson. He did indeed, yeah. What a nice chap, actually. Uh-huh. I'm not sure he liked me much. <laughs> I think he thought that I was really coming at the book as, uh, from a negative standpoint. Mm. And and it really wasn't, because I liked the Resident Evil movies. Um, mm-hmm. All of them, in fact. I, 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 did, I binged them in one day. Oh, what, on a, what day, a great day, marathon. On the day of the new film coming out. Yeah, the, Rory, the final chapter. The final yeah, chapter. Rory... Joined me for the last one, and now some sort of delirium state. <laughs> um, In a zombified state, you might say. Well, I, I don't think zombies laugh as maniacally as I do. <laughs> um, at one point, spoilers for a future episode, a, a character loses their hand. He holds his wrists and goes, oh, Jesus! Which, <laughs> I laugh for a full minute. Fortunately, those films are quite uh, short. Yes, <laughs> oh, yeah, you can breeze through. As, as a marathon, it's probably a safer mm. option than, say... Lord of the Rings extended editions plus The Hobbit. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it would, the fact that those films will frequently paint themselves into a corner and then ignore what has happened yeah. I, was actually kind of a bit bracing. Oh, totally. Like the third film says, the world is now a desert. <laughs> and then you get to the fourth film, it's like, the world is built again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But by who? We're going to give her all these magic powers and then remove them for the next film. Yeah. Because we just can't deal with psychic... Alice and there's just that, back to square one with her I think the third film also the ones that ends with and there's loads of Alice clones and then the fourth film starts with and now they're all dead <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's just I, one Alice again I just think yeah I kind of respect that oh totally I think pop culture fandom is, is too bent over backwards trying to make canon work and I'm like nah yeah, I, yeah I'm not the kind of guy like I, I really enjoy uh, the uh, YouTube uh, Phalus, uh, I think cause he does a lot of um, he's done all the Resident Evil movies mm-hmm. and sort of like done these deep dives into them he's a big Resident Evil fan does all the videos dressed as Barry Burton like, he's, he's a real <laughs> if you're going to dress as a Resident Evil character Barry's got to be Barry, yeah. got to be Big Basil got to be Big Basil with your Jill sandwich and, and you, you're set to go but he is one of those people that's just like in the game this happens in the game this this is terrible blah 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 and I think that Paul W. Sanderson figured I was also that guy whereas mm-hmm. I was okay. going there to be like I want to really talk about this. I want to, mm. you know, why did you make this decision? And in a sort of a positive way, and he would sort of get a bit on the defensive side sure, of it. Sure. And then when I would ask about critical feedback to the movies, he would just really shut it down. And I think he just looked at me as if like, oh, you're just a part of the press. You just want to hate things. And so I was actually really surprised he wanted to do the forward in all fairness. Because <laughs> I asked his yeah. age, I asked his age, I was like, do you think he'll do it? Uh, and And she said, yeah, actually, yeah, he's really yeah. good for him. Well, I, th- I, th- I think, like, because obviously, well, you've got Chapter in Resident Evil, and you've also got uh, Mortal Kombat as well, which uh, we really, really enjoy. Love that And film. think it's a great movie. And It's uh, part of the, the three-film triumvirate of 
It's more combat, Street Fighter, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. That that's that's your holy trilogy. That's your holy. Trilogy. <laughs> that's your that's your Star Wars original. Yes, yeah, exactly. original series. That's the video game movie primer. You know, that's like <laughs> that's video game movie one hundred and one is those three movies. But but uh, with the book as well, you let the the people who make the film tell the story, and you know you use the sort of um, critical feedback of the time and, yes. and such as well. But what's nice about it is that you sort of lay the facts out there don't necessarily give us sort of too much to pass judgment on 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 the films and things in that yeah. way so. I, I i let the, the critics of the time speak for you know what was sort of going on i don't want to i i wanted to take myself out of the book uh because mm-hmm. i didn't think it was fair like because i a friend of mine once went to a uh a, a film writing a film criticism seminar where and he told me he was kind of like feeding back to me sort of like what he learned from that and the guy there said you never put i or i think in a uh, in a film review because unless you're mark kermode who cares mm. the people don't care what you think they just want to hear sort of like about the movie and sort of like you know general sort of a review of the movie as opposed to what you think of the movie yeah unless you've cultivated uh yeah, totally. know, personality yeah. and like i am the critic that yeah. you will come to me for my opinion and that's exactly yeah. it so yeah part of me which vehemently disagrees with that though <laughs> especially nowadays the the critic is viewed as like as gospel and there's a narrative made um i know it's not video game related but as a big godzilla fan the recent godzilla film got sort of shat on by the critics and the narrative seemed to be this was a bad film but both myself and our, our brother hamish really like godzilla it was the perfect godzilla film the thing is with the reaction to the godzilla film because i liked it as well I now understand what like Zack Snyder bros feel when people like <laughs> criticize Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice because for them it was what they wanted. It wasn't what I wanted, but it, for them it's what they wanted. But when credits went after that film, I was like, oh, now I can see why they. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to blow your minds up so slightly, I'm also a huge Godzilla fan. Mm-hmm. And I did not like the movie. Oh. Um, well. My 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 main criticism I had against it was. It was everything that I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. It was just too dark. Like, I, like, <laughs> well, yeah. God, like, it was Godzilla versus King Ghidra, like these really sort of bright, poppy, like you know, mm. the, a gold character and this sort yeah. of like brilliantly, like wonderfully bright characters, and then it's all dark and murky, and it's set at night, and it's in the rain, and I was like. Uh, well, you, this, you can adjust your settings at home. <laughs> just, yeah, watch the home the release, gamma, but yeah. you can just yeah. I was like, this is brightness. It's not as much fun as I thought it would be to finally see Fair these enough. the uh, clash in a, in a western movie. I think you just taught me that people can disagree. People <laughs> <laughs> have difference of opinion. What? About, yeah, huh? yeah you know. I, I was one of those film critics that, that did not <laughs> like the Godzilla movie. Although I did get to do some videos, kind of like going through the Easter eggs mm-hmm. and like giving my theories on what the post-credit scene means. Mm. So on the on the plus side of it, I enjoyed that aspect. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. 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 One thing we've always said on this podcast is that even if we encounter a film which we don't particularly like, that we we always in awe of people who make them, <laughs> yeah. who get it made. Even even Uwe Boll, the um, what is it, the black sheep? You want to call him? Or yeah. yeah, the bet noir. Is that <laughs> yeah, a better term? maybe so. Um, you know the fact that he's made a film and we've not made feature length films ourselves. So like. I can still respect people on that basic level. Um, <laughs> he is, he, uh, he's notable by his absence from the book. Was there ever any idea that you would 
include him in the book, or was that sort of your self-editing, representing your general opinion about no, I, his oeuvre? I, I wanted to do a follow-up book that was called Lights, Camera, Uwe Boll. Like, <laughs> it was, I, I had, like, I said to my publisher, because uh, I think they had said these films are often talked about, and I was like, yeah, but if you do one, you've got to do them all. Yeah. And so I thought, really? It's its own book series. You could do just, yeah, Lights, Camera, Uwe Boll as a sort of a spin-off book, if you will. Mills and Boll. Yeah. <laughs> sort of Mills and Boom. <laughs> and uh, and you could just sort of focus on that and then also focus on, like, the, the Raging Boll stuff and, mm-hmm. and, you know, do a whole deep dive on that. Um, I mean, granted, I, I didn't think he'd ever do an interview, part B of that answer. Um, and I, I spoke to one producer who worked on uh, the Dead or Alive movie who did work on House of the Dead. Okay. And he he kind of gave his reasons as to why House of the Dead is the way that it is. and um, <laughs> The way that it, it is. is. It is what it is, and that's yeah. the way it is for sure. And then said, we made a, a follow-up movie to it uh, without, um, without Uwe Boll's participation, and we felt like that was our apology letter to, okay. to House of the Dead fans. Um, I mean, I actually think that Dead or Alive uh, is a very, very fun movie. I think it's our, that has been our biggest revelation. It's, it's, it's an apt, I've, We decided it was a masterpiece. It's, it's we as, declared it a masterpiece on the episode. It's yeah. as dumb as a bag of rocks, but <laughs> I think it's a lot of fun. Mm. It's Kevin Nash is so much fun in that movie. When he yeah. bursts through the door to say, like, it's our fight now, she's like, Ted, we're in our underwear! <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, it just had. It was made by a Hong Kong action director, so it had that sort of. It didn't matter that logic in a fight made any sort of sense or gravity or anything. It just was a crazy, crazy fight where someone throws blades, or was it like pin needles? They, have, like, they needles, throw needles yeah. and then catch him mid-flight. So they caught up with their own needle they threw. Oh, and, it's um, wonderful. There needs to be more of that. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful movie in that it knows what it is. And it's fully embracing that. It's effectively, it felt like a studio. I don't know if this is a fact. No one's ever told me this, but it felt like someone said Charlie's Angels was a big hit. Oh, sure. Oh, it's more Charlie's it's Angels than just... Charlie's Angels. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I've only just realised that. Yeah, it's, it's a like... mip double G. <laughs> it is. Yeah, and it's like, can you just make us Charlie's Angels, but with these characters? Mm. And the guy like, yeah, I guess so. They certainly did. That's well, really crazy. I didn't. I think we mentioned this as well. I didn't feel particularly leery. It felt very, very. Positive representation of, of female characters. Considering what the game series is. Yes. Yeah, you know, with the, the, the bounceability uh, options that you can change within that game series. Yeah. You know, it's actually quite reserved. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, Fun fact, it's the uh, the shortest chapter that's not based on a, a video game movie that didn't get made. Okay. Which okay. I remember a friend of mine, because I, I, when I had the, the final thing done, I kind of like, I had all my word counts of everything. And I posted a picture of it when I was still using Facebook. I posted a picture of it on Facebook being like, the book is complete and here's all the words that I've written. And someone commented like, why is that the shortest chapter? And I was like, I guess there just wasn't as much to say. But it was I don't know. still really, really I, I think our episode on it is longer than the film. So <laughs> <laughs> we had lots to say about Dead or Alive. Maybe, I think in terms of the production of it. Maybe yeah, it yeah. To say. I mean, Rory, um, I bought the book for Rory and so I'll be reading it after him. I can only imagine that maybe Dead or Alive was less of a struggle to make because it's just perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it was just smooth sailing all the way because yeah, they knew just... it was just onto a winner. With uh, some of the other chapters, you talked about the whole franchise and the, yes. the sequel. So it's not just Street Fighter, but it's Legend of Chun-Li and Street Fighter Legacy and Mortal Kombat is 
Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is well, the Resident Evil chapter is obviously the longest yeah, uh, chapter. Just in the so book. many of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I remember saying to my wife when I was preparing the book, I said to her, if I can't get if I can't get an interview with Paul W.S. Anderson, I'm, this book might not be worth doing. Mm. Um, so I was very, very happy when he said yes, because I was like, brilliant, mm. now I get Mortal Kombat and I get Resident Evil. And, and potentially Monster Hunter if, well, uh, if there's I, another if edition. There's, yeah, and he, he's willing to talk to me again. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, his interviews, because I, I, he was working on the final chapter while we were doing the interviews. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, I, the interviews were split up into three different parts, I think. I think we did the first two movies in our first interview, and then we covered the next co- next two, and then we did the next two. Um, and then the, but the, next, the last two... I had to wait until he'd finished production on the final chapter before I could speak to him. So I did get to have a couple of quotes in there about the final chapter, which were, which was you know really good actually. Were you like, oh no, spoilers, don't tell? Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I was a bit more worried though. I was like, the deadline's coming up soon. I need to get this interview done because mm-hmm. yeah. it was getting a bit to the wire where I was kind of like messaging his uh, his um, PA, being like, hey, is, uh, is Paul available? <laughs> and then she told me the time that he was available, and I was like, oh cool, that's that's four a.m. Uh, in the UK. That's fine. I'll just get he myself. He knew that up. he's British. <laughs> he's <made it> like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I finally get one over the critics. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I, I got up very early in the morning to, to interview Paul W. S. Anderson. So I'm actually interested, and as knowing Paul W. S. Anderson as you do, when he's making these Resident Evil films, does he consider the video games at all? <laughs> that, and I don't mean to make that sound so backhanded. Um, I've, I mean, there's certainly lots of influences in the earlier films, despite. I think the first one, Rory, being a massive Resident Evil fan, uh, he, he mentioned that it was it, it was difficult for him to enjoy the first ones too much. I think they just became their own universe. And I think that was what Paul really wanted. Mm-hmm. Because he, he, when the criticisms come to, like, why isn't this anything like the game? Particularly, the, you know, the first movie. Because George Romero had written a script that was mm-hmm. essentially the first movie, the first game with a couple of changes here and there. But Paul Anderson... <laughs> it was like a long speech about consumerism. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, these people in their shopping malls and such like. But uh, he said that, well, if you played the game, then you know where the story is going. Mm. And he always cites Alien. He always cited Alien as, as his example. He was mm. like, if you go into Alien knowing that Sigourney Weaver is going to survive... Spoilers for Alien. If you, know, <laughs> if you go into that movie knowing that Sigourney Weaver is going to survive, it's less tense. And he said, I remember watching that movie for the first time, not knowing that that's what the ending is. And being on the edge of my seat, not knowing who was going to survive mm-hmm. by the end of this movie. So he wanted to create a movie that was new. That you, uh, even as a Resident Evil fan, you could go into it and not know who was going to come out alive. And and then, you know, it just sort of spun off into its own thing after that. It just became yeah. its own different universe of It did, of, did of become games. slightly weird when characters would start showing up from the games and they looked like they were in cosplay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. And um, I, I, I think that was actually an error. Like, I mm. think it would be, he'd have been better off just not doing that, doing the bits of fan service, being like, and here's Barry Burton, yeah. and, and here's Ada Wong. It's like, no, nah, if you've got your own universe, just keep it as your own universe. Yeah, I, 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 that's the thing, is that when the first one came out, I was not so sort of uh, convinced by it, but then when it came to... I, I came to sort of appreciate it more... Uh, the fact that it wasn't replicating the games directly as it went on, you know, I actually sort of thought, actually, if this was the right decision to do this this way, yeah. So yeah, he made I, it I, cool. I think in the end, he made the he made the call that was best for him. 
I will be so so interested with the new one mm, because yes. the producers have made a very big claim that it is more tied to the films uh, tied to the games now we are going to be mirroring the games so much more this time around as if like it almost as a way to be like hey fanboys we know Paul W.S. Anderson made the films you don't like <laughs> but now we're going to make the very successful film. Yeah. <laughs> we made over a billion dollars with it. Well, but... I, th- I think we mentioned this before, though, that for all the shit the Resident the Jovovich films get, they are very successful. Very successful. It found its audience. And, and there's not any, any action s- series out there where a female action hero has been consistently in it throughout the whole film as the main character. Like, what is there? And it is, it's certainly worth mentioning. It's the... And it's not only just the most, it's really the only successful video game movie mm. series. Like, mm. let alone just one, you know, movies individually. Some of them have been profitable eventually, but that is a genuine bona fide success where a studio can say, make us another one because that mm. did so, so well, as mm. opposed to being like, well, we contracted you for two films, so I guess we've got to make another one. So were there any video game movies you wanted to include but but didn't or yeah. you know Doom I'd have okay. loved to have done a chapter on Doom yeah that was one I was really really stoked to do but no one ever got back to me I spoke to the director a bit but we couldn't make it work and I my ruling that I had for for the the book was if I can't get any interviews I won't do a chapter on it because I just didn't otherwise I'm just taking bits and pieces from other places mm-hmm. the only chapter that's in there that i didn't do any interviews for was gears of war okay and that's only because i reached out to people no one ever got back to me but there's been so much so many interviews done over the years that i had enough to create the narrative of why the film never got made in the, mm-hmm. in the first mm-hmm. place so that is the only chapter in the book where i didn't do any interviews for it but yeah if, if i couldn't do it then i, I wasn't gonna it for like a my main chapters in particular um, but Doom was one I really, really wanted to do. And Double Dragon was another one. Mm. Yeah, I would have <laughs> been very interested to know what was going on with both of those Yeah, I, I, I did do one interview for Double Dragon. It just wasn't enough to kind of yeah. like fill the narrative. And I, and there, there's nothing written about it online either. So I couldn't like pull from various different sources. I was like, I've, I've literally got this one chap's thought process <laughs> on this. And, and that is it. And it's, and it's not enough to write a whole chapter on. Yeah, but that's definitely like a sort of Super Mario Brothers style. They brought a lot of something to this mm. game with well, quite a fairly tawdry plot and, yeah. and stuff. I mean, it's not exactly a genre, but no one knew how to make a video game movie back then. No, totally. I myself have written a piece on video game movies. I did it for my university dissertation. Mm-hmm. And I think that was more about what you... It's a, it's a poncy phrase, but what you remediate, what what's what hidden signifiers you get while playing a game and how they get transferred into a film. But people, I don't think they often make video game movies like that. It's about iconography. Yeah. And so I think back back then they just, they would staple this iconography onto, onto a something, onto mm. a random adventure. Yeah, I think that's it. Particularly with the Super Mario Brothers is a good example of that, of the, you know, Annabelle Jankel and Rocky Morton wanted to make a movie that was as far removed from Super Mario Brothers as possible because they thought it's the, the Hollywood have said you've always thought video games are beneath them. They are mm. the they are the proper medium and this new upstart is for kids, it's for this, that and the mm. other. So Hollywood have always taken the aspect of, well we know better. 
We know how to actually make movies. So you guys don't really know what you're doing. We'll put the story into your into your games. And yeah, and so Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jenkel were just like, no, we're going to make Batman. Mm-hmm. But it's going to feature Super Mario instead. He's but... the most like Batman you can think of. Come on with me, Luigi. That's it, yeah. They were just like, because, you know, Batman had been such a huge hit that everyone mm. was trying to emulate it. And they thought that they could make their Batman version of Mario Brothers is going to be this dark and gritty adaptation of it. Which is a shame because when you read the the drafts that didn't get made, particularly the, the Jim Genuine version, is so much fun. Like, it would have been is really, really good. The Mario we know. Oh, totally, yeah. Like, it is literally, like, it's set within the Mushroom Kingdom. It is set, like, it's these real world plumbers oh. falling into this magical world. We could and... have had Bob Hoskins in a Tanuki suit <laughs> running around with a tail. But there is, like, there's, there's, a, there's a, a Mario Kart section in there. There's, like, wow. a, it was, a, it's so much fun to read. But you know the the way that that Tom Thomas Parker when I was doing interview with him was just like it would it was more in the spirit of the games but it would only appeal to eight year olds and what they were after they was, don't deserve entertainment <laughs> <laughs> and what they what they were after and what Morton and Jank were after was the teenage audience because mm-hmm. if teenagers want to go and see it that means the their younger siblings will also want to go and see it because oh. it's the cool hip thing to do see, if, who's if the coolest it, and hippest person we can think of. Yeah. An Italian plumber yeah. Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. So, but if you if you make a movie for eight year olds, teenagers won't want to go see it. So oh. you, you flip the you flip the script and you do it that way around. So they had to do this dark and gritty movie, which I mean, I, I love Super Mario Brothers, but it is a it's a flawed masterpiece. Is certainly how I would put it. How do you turn one of the most popular video games of all time, Nintendo Super Mario Brothers, into a feature film? Ready? Play that? Welcome to the set of Super Mario Brothers, the movie, starring Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo as the Mario Brothers, Mario and Luigi. Set in a universe populated by reptilian creatures, Super Mario Brothers is said to be part science fiction adventure, part action and comedy. Let's talk about our liberation. I don't know if some of the video game movies made now have a cult following. No. But I think they're they are touching the mainstream. I think Detective Pikachu, which came out this year, was maybe a game changer because it felt like an actual movie. Yeah. And I think that's part because Pokemon an actual movie. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to Paul W. S. Anderson and anyone else listening. But what I mean is I think Pokemon is like a franchise and I think Andy And it's still within like the consciousness. The consciousness absolutely. And so um uh I do I do wonder if if they will have the same cult appeal. I think the the only one I think that's recent that would have had or could get that sort of cult appeal or cult appeal rather would be um Warcraft. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think because I went to so Duncan Jones held a screening of it at the Prince Charles mm-hmm. after it had come out uh, I think it had been home released entertainment he said he kind of put a call out to Twitter saying like if I were to do a screening of this movie with a Q&A who would be interested and all of a sudden everyone was replying like I would I would I would I would I was one of them and yeah the Prince Charles got involved and they arranged it Mark Kermode uh, sort of mediated it and sort of wow. conducted the interview and it was absolutely fascinating because you watch the movie and then it's Duncan Jones sitting there talking about, and here's why it went wrong. And it was like, and this mm. is why this went, this is why this didn't go the way we planned. We'd filmed all of this stuff, but then because we changed this over here, couldn't use any of this stuff. 
And it was just this big sort of like expose of like, yeah, and this is why it it, mm. it sort of failed. We'd set this up to do this in film two and film three, but those are never going to happen now. Um, I, I did get to uh, give him a copy of the book. Okay. Because okay. I literally just got my first copy of it sent to the oh, publishers. Right. And right. I was like, I'm going to take this to the screen. I'm going to see Duncan Jones. Cool. And I'm not going to say, I'm a big fan of your dad. I'm going to say, <laughs> I loved Moon, loved Warcraft. Here's my book. And yeah. he said to me, he's like, is there a chapter on Mortal Kombat? And I was like, you better bloody believe there is. <laughs> yeah. It's good to know that he's a fan of, or at least interested in the making of Mortal Kombat, which is... Oh, totally, yeah. And yeah. he's a massive fan of Warcraft. Yeah. Like, and that's why you get... And I think you can see that in the film. Mm. Like, it is... Mm. There's a lot of love for the source material in there, even if it is a bit... It's not the best film I've ever seen. I think it's a, it's a perfectly fine three-star movie. Yeah, but I really like its ambition. I popped it on a few times just because I'm in the mood for for that, whatever it yes. is. <laughs> yeah, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, you know, oversized armor and Dominic Cooper shouting at a <laughs> hawk. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, Mortal Kombat. I think you've mentioned before. Is that? I mean, what, what is your favorite video game movie? Is it Mortal Kombat? I think it's Mortal Kombat. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. That is one you can just pop on at any time of the day, any mm. day of the week, and just be like, I'm gonna have a fun time watching this. Mm. It's, and it's is really it just good. the techno. Yeah. <laughs> or is it, um... That song is a belter. Oh yeah, it, I, it, it doesn't feel like Mortal Kombat without it. <laughs> yeah, I think, and it's really nice to see how Mortal Kombat 11 is starting to, Im- to embrace. Oh, absolutely! The, the yeah. Film fandom, um, I, and I really, really enjoy doing the Mortal Kombat chapter. Not just speaking with with Paul Anson about it, but speaking with uh, with Lawrence Kasanoff as well, the producer. Yes, he is. Uh, such an interesting man with such a fascinating story because he his opinion on Mortal Kombat is absolutely like it's kind of breathtaking in a way. According to him, he created it. <laughs> what Mortal Kombat's a concept? Did, well, it's like, so in his the he, way he, he created told, violence, the way he tells the story <laughs> is that Ed Boon and John Tobias had made this game. He went to go see it and said. This is going to be the next big thing. He saw it like before it had been completely mm. finished and before it had gone out to the arcades because he'd just done um, the T2 arcade game because he was working with James Cameron on uh, mm-hmm. on Terminator 2. So that he'd was done, a midway it was release. Midway. Yeah. yeah, so he, they'd done the Terminator 2 uh, arcade game, which was the, the biggest thing in the world, and then got a call from saying, oh, we've got this new arcade game that's going to be coming out. It's going to be bigger than Terminator. So he then flew out to Chicago to go see Tobias and Boone and be like, was, was, was he like um, Justin Timberlake in The Social Network? Because, <laughs> hey, you know what? Turn that C to a K. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it, it was in so many words. But um, he, he went down there and he said, this game's amazing. And then he essentially claims that he came up with all the backstories for the characters and that when he saw it, there was no story whatsoever. So they kind of hashed out this big story mm-hmm. and stuff. So later down the line, when Midway essentially went under there became this big lawsuit because Kasanoff and his people said like, well, no, we're owed money. We created these characters and we are owed some royalties on that. We kind of, we owned these characters now. So there was this whole big legal mess. He wouldn't talk to me about it for legal reasons he's not allowed to. Sure, sure. But it was just like so interesting for this Hollywood guy to be like, yeah, no, I created that. It reminds me of of Transformers where they, they were just, this car transforms into a robot but there's this massive backstory in the box. I think yes. that's how the whole how Generation One happened in Masters of the Universe. It was all universe. done by Marvel, yeah. Mm. Marvel Comics essentially like wrote all those backstories so we could, you know, you buy these toys and now it feels like there's more of an extended universe out there. Mm. And there is some, as you say, there is a modicum of truth to, to what Kasanoff was saying. And it's it's funny when you kind of like look now 
Kano does have a British accent, and mm. that is yeah. from the movie, from the film. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and he, was, he, was, he was Korean American. That's it. The original. Yeah. and then they changed that now to reflect more the, uh, the you know what Anderson's movie was. Mm. So there, are, you know, there, are, there certainly is something to, to what he was saying. And as we were saying with uh, Terry Hiroki Tagawa as Shang Tsung in the Mortal Kombat Eleven and yeah. stuff, so it's definitely. The games are embracing the film and so it's working I, the other way. It's now. Our generation are now the people that are making the stuff. Yeah. And so we're going to be referencing in the same way that directors in the 80s were referencing things from the 50s because that was their mm. childhood. We are now referencing things from the 90s because that's our childhood. Mm. I will not rest until uh, John Legazamo and Bob Hoskins show up in Smash Brothers uh, in their full blown skins, just yeah. very hyper detail. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I just, I just don't like. Just let it happen, Nintendo. Don't yeah. be ashamed. Don't holiday special this <laughs> like Star Wars. Do you think they nearly did? What? So fun story. Disowned it. They well, they near. So the the story goes that when they got it, when they got it back. They so Shigeru Miyamoto liked it, but he was the only person that liked it. I got and, the impression he was polite about it. But that, that's my impression of it as well. When you hear the stories, it's probably like, yeah, of course Shigeru Miyamoto liked it. But Nintendo of America, on the other hand, were just like, let's just shelve it. Essentially, let's Fantastic Four it. Mm-hmm. You know the um, yeah the, the one that was the Corman the Corman nineties one, where it's just like, yeah, we we kind of embarrassed by this, we'll just hide it away. Which, for me now, adds an even more mythical element to this I movie. Know, yeah. it's like, it nearly became this bootleg movie. Imagine if it never got released. I know. And it would just be like... I mean, now it would be on YouTube, I'm sure. But That's like, it, yeah. Like Corman's Fantastic Four. All the sort of, like, in the 90s and things, it would have been just like, passed around these tapes or you'd something have gone to like co- You'd have gone to conventions and you'd have yeah. bought, like, a bootleg VHS copy of it. It would have been a copy, a copy, of a copy, yeah. of a copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it would have been but really But they're still digging up so much stuff about it. They've, yeah. You know, they dug up some deleted scenes and extra footage recently. It's really crazy. Like, that, that archive is insane. Like, where is it yeah. getting it from? Are they secretly making another movie? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, like, Ed Solomon recently uh, was was talking about this on Twitter that he was on set for the film which yeah. is so interesting because everyone I spoke to never mentioned that he was there and I was like oh my god Ed Solomon was there he's got other stories that he can tell from yeah. this production yeah. so yeah I'd actually I'd really like I actually tried to talk to him I, I mean I wanted to talk to him anyway because I wanted to do it for the book but I did have this sort of like internal worry that I would just ask him about Bill and Ted <laughs> and I would just like can we just talk about Bill I, and Ted for an hour <laughs> I quit Super Mario Bros for another time. <laughs> I did generally how profitable are video game movies? I mean, um, is it still a good idea to make them? I, I think so. I mean, like when I was interviewing people, like so when I uh, to give some context of when I was doing all these interviews, it was before Warcraft and Assassin's Creed had come out. Mm-hmm. So every interview I did always had this sort of like shadow over it of like, but when Warcraft and Assassin's Creed come out, that is when the whole system's going to mm-hmm. change mm-hmm. because they were you know a lot of producers were saying. The it's going to come. This is going to be the next golden goose for, for Hollywood. Comic book movies are doing what they're doing, but Marvel are kind of like, you know, controlling everything now. Like they've got... Just and films even, about stones, really, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And particularly now, because they've got Fox as well, they've got literally like yep. the entire gamut with the exception of Spider-Man. It's like the only property they don't have. And I believe the Submariner is the only other character they can't make films about. Damn it! <laughs> yeah. We'll never get that Namor solo movie. Um... <laughs> So everyone was saying, like, it's going to be a huge, huge deal eventually. Once Warcraft and Assassin's Creed are big hits. Mm. And it was just, it's so funny to think back in hindsight that all these conversations, we were all saying to each other, oh, yeah, they're going to be big hits. 
they're going to be massive. Mm. It's Duncan Jones with a big budget. It's um, Michael uh, Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. Big, yeah, you know. it's going to be. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be like this big, big movie, and like, and everyone's going to be talking about it. And actually, at the end of the day, no one talked about either. No. And we're still they sort of sitting. Here, yeah, we're still sitting here waiting for when that next. When that I say that next, when that first big hit comes, and it we get our, our essentially our Iron Man. Iron Man was the movie that changed changed the game really for for comic book movies, and I, I think we're we're still waiting for when we get our Iron Man. But uh, that Iron Man will come. Considering uh, the backlash the Sonic movie got, I'm waiting for the first images from the upcoming Mario movie because yeah. that's made by Illumination, who mm-hmm. I'm personally not a big fan of many of their films. I have I have. A recurring nightmare where I'm trapped in a lift with Charles Martinet, the voice of Mario, <laughs> where I know it's him, but he can't wait to tell me. And we're there yeah. for an hour. And he's like, guess what I do? <laughs> I was like, I... What? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no! I, again, is he... It's going to be weird if he doesn't voice Mario, but I don't, we, I don't but think he will. It's the big question because Mario never spoke like that until Mario sixty four. It yeah. was always like, "It's a me, it's a Mario." It's um, what's the name of Mario Super Show guy? Lou. Oh, it was Lou, Lou Urbano, Captain Lou Urbano. They just, you know, he sounds like a, a man who spent his day his elbow deep in shit. <laughs> he, was, he was the gruff New Yorker, mm-hmm. and yeah, but now it's like since uh, Martinet has been doing it, it's like, "It's a me, it's a Mario." And, like, and that's the voice we've got now but I don't think he'll do it I no. think they'll have the idea of you've got to attach a name to it it'll be like it's, Ben Schwartz as Sonic yeah exactly mm. it's, going to, it's going to be Jason Sudeikis as Mario Danny DeVito having missed out on Pikachu must be Wario <laughs> and he was nearly Mario first time round. Oh right, that crazy. was um, that was Annabelle Jenkel's first choice to play Mario. Was, was Danny DeVito? Didn't they have some crazy like action hero people down? Oh, uh, Schwarzenegger was down to play Cooper at one point. <laughs> oh um, man! And Michael Keaton was as well, I believe, to to play Cooper. But they had to settle with Dennis Hopper. I'm afraid. Mm. D-hops. D-hops. I don't think I ever saw a decent Dennis Hopper film in the cinema. <laughs> I, I only ever saw him in like Waterworld and things. Did you not see Speed? Not in the cinema. Uh, no, I'm afraid not. Yeah. I mean, what's on the slate? What's coming up? So we've got our Sonic movie. we got our Smarrier movie. Smarrier. Yeah. movie. I've got our Mario and Sonic of the Olympics movie <laughs> in the inevitable crossover. Yeah, because the book covers, as you said, sort of video game movies that did not get made. And then, you know, that includes chapter on Sonic and that includes mm-hmm. chapter on Halo, which yep. is coming in TV show form instead, yes. which seems seems to be a bit of a trend because there was the Castlevania show on Netflix, which there was, I think, Paul W. Sanderson was looking to he direct was at yeah, some point. I, I, I did season. want to do a, a, a uh, yeah, chapter on Castlevania, but uh, Paul Anderson essentially when I spoke to him about it, was just like, yeah, we tried it, it didn't work. And yeah, I was like, and I think oh, that's well, probably I, as much. As I was like, I've got a sentence. I'm not sure I can build a whole <laughs> I, chapter. Off I was this. such a wag. I, I when I read he was being announced as the writer director, I was like, there's a lab underneath Dracula's castle and special <laughs> forces people, and it's like, oh. I'm still very excited about potentially turning Castlevania into a movie. Um, you know, the, it's the usual difficulties of making a film. You know, someone owns the rights, you have to go get the rights, you have to develop a screenplay everyone likes. Um, you know, making video game movies, it's not the easiest thing in the world. I mean, I think a lot of studios think it is, 
and that's why there are so many unsuccessful adaptations. I mean, there's plenty of them, you know, that are launched with huge fanfare, and but they never turn into franchises. I mean, I think, you know, I've been involved in two of the most successful with Mortal Kombat and certainly Resident Evil, which must be by now by far the most successful. Um, it's it's a hard it's hard work, and it's a fine balancing act that you do to kind of please the fans of the game, but also try and make a movie that. Um, opens the game up to a mainstream audience as well. Um, and it's something that takes time to get right. And, um, you know, we've got no interest in making a Castlevania movie until it's something we can get really right. You know, I, I love the game. I love the intellectual property. I, I like everything about it. And I want it to be a really great movie. And, you know, we wouldn't put it in front of the cameras until we feel it's going to be. But, yeah, so in terms of... Um projects which did not get made or, or sort of forthcoming projects? I mean, sort of what are the ones which did not get made that you would have liked to have oh. seen and which ones forthcoming which are actually being made yeah. or at least announced in development, so uh, to speak? The, the Sonic movie is one of those movies where I'm like, God, I wish that was made. I, I don't know, because there's a Metroid movie as well that I cover in the book, but I, there was not enough about it in terms of, like not enough had been written essentially because Nintendo mm. told them when they asked, what is Samus's backstory? They're sort of struggling, like, I don't know. <laughs> but then, like, they're making The Mandalorian, which yeah. is, like, pretty much a bounty hunter of no background yeah. from what I gather from the trailer, which I'm sure tells me everything. <laughs> yeah, there was, like, what's Samus's background? They're like, oh, I don't know. It's like, can we make one up? No. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah. We're sort of stuck now, really. Um, so there's that, but I also, there's a, a chapter I wanted to do, which was um, Duke Nukem. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh man, a Duke Nukem movie. Isn't John Cena attached to that? Right, John Cena is. Yeah, John yeah, Cena. Yeah. Sorry. yeah, yeah. John Cena is attached to to do the new one. And um, yes, but when I was speaking to the producer of Max Payne, because he was also attached to do Duke Nukem, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I asked him. I was like, I'd love to do a chapter on this, but he is now in a position where he has got a lot of like projects that he's putting forward that he's he just wants to talk about those projects he's got coming up. He doesn't want to look in the past. Sure. And particularly when I asked him about Duke Nukem, he was like, I don't want to talk about failures what's dated about, about Duke Nukem <laughs> yeah <laughs> but actually I would love a, a modern day Duke Nukem mm. movie where fish out of water yeah exactly mm. where he he's a guy of the 90s who's now found himself in 2020 where it's just like oh what you can't objectify women anymore mm. what's yeah. up I can't that? smoke in public yeah you can't and, smoke in yeah. public I once got um, a guide for Duke Nukem Zero Hour on the N64 but that game was very long in production and the guide was clearly made on an older build. And therefore, the location of the babes was all wrong. <laughs> and so I took my copy back to Electronics Boutique and had to say in a very small voice, this guide's wrong. And they said, it's official. It says, no, but, but it's the babes are in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, the, it's the babes. <laughs> I can't find the babes. It's the babes. It's not what's wrong. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, I don't really know about movies that are that are sort of in production now. I'm, I'm what I'm I'm kind of mostly fascinated at. Although I mean, they've just announced today a um, new Tomb Raider movie. Tomb Raider. Oh, this is news to me. Oh, yeah. you don't know this. Oh, yeah. yeah. At time of recording, <laughs> at time of recording, this has just been announced. Is it ninety minutes of standing in a certain place and her clothes drop off? <laughs> like, yeah. They like the cheat codes. It's a sequel to the Alicia Vikander movie has been announced with a release date and it's been directed by do you want to guess angelina jolie N no <laughs> that's, that's a good, good shout too good that's, uh all right what well, okay let's um male or female male um 
Good films or bad films? Good. <laughs> um, okay. Keep this all. Uh, action director. Classy director. Classy. Classy is where I would go. Yeah. Do we big in the nineties? Big in the nineties. Oh, God. Well, I say big, but you know, like classy, respected filmmaker. Yeah. I want to say I was thinking of David Fincher because he's been randomly attached to things. I don't know. Um, you've intrigued me. Um, have you directed any Marvel movies? No. No. Um, so that action of Big Now. I, I wouldn't say they are a blockbuster director. Okay. It's a choice which would raise an eyebrow. Yeah. In fact, actually, oh, I when love I, those. When I, when I said as much in the office today, everyone went, huh, what an interesting choice. Oh, God. All right. You're going to have to lay it on me. Ben Wheatley. Wow. <laughs> Great. Well, I like, I sort of like most of his films. Yeah. <laughs> it's really. I'm, that's a lot of people say. I was like, I like, <laughs> yeah. I like most of them. No, <laughs> I like most of his, most of them. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's the thing. He's, he's a filmmaker I really respect. But because, I mean, haven't the recent Tomb Raider movies, they've got very, they've got very British, the recent Tomb Raider games. Was it like Terry Pratchett's? daughter yeah Rihanna the, Pratchett Rihanna wrote the, Pratchett wrote the game and the film had a lot did that have any of her input in it well she wasn't credited even though the whole thing was pretty much lifted from the game okay cool but it'll be it'll be written it's said by Amy Jump who's his wife and also mm. scriptwriter regular so all oh. his films done by what was that organisation called they all jumbled together now Trinity I think it was Trinity gosh what, what is Trinity up to if Kristen Stock got Thomas She's now got her guns. She's now got both of her guns as well, well, as we saw in the post-credits. Yeah, she picked them up from Nick Frost's and Jamie Winston's pawn shop, and she's ready to go. Yeah, that scene they put in the trailer. (laughs) Well, that was our first ever episode, the original Tomb Raider. I'm glad to find out that it wasn't a waste of time. (laughs) I actually already liked the Tomb Raider movie. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I was okay. (laughs) I liked liked Alicia Vikander. I mean, like, she was... She was a great actress, Oscar-winning actress. So, as was Angelina Jolie. So, yeah. um, I need to get a... my pronunciations correct on the, <laughs> on the islands and things. Well, no, that'll be just different islands. Just, you need to get what no, you said. No, just be about King Arthur. <laughs> I can do Arthur. But uh, so yeah, so, so that that that's certainly one. But actually, what I'm really interested in is more. It's the game studios taking over. So, like you know. Ubisoft have launched their own movie division. Activision have got their own movie division. Mm. Blizzard have got their own movie mm. division. It's weird when now. you see the logo. Yeah, and, like it, you don't have to do anything with your hands. Yeah, <laughs> and it's there's there's a and um, PlayStation Pictures, PlayStation Productions. I think it's something like that. They've, yeah, they've um yeah PlayStation have just created their own specific studio effectively, and yeah, I, totally. I think they're kind of assuming control of the Uncharted movies. Yes, through which has well. now lost another director. Yeah, which I yeah. think it's had more directors than it's had games at this point. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Lara Croft needs to find the director of Uncharted <laughs> uh, in the Amazon. So yeah, so I, I find that to be very interesting because previously it was just you know video game publishers and, and video game developers were just like, well, we don't know how to make movies, so we'll just sell off our wares to, to Hollywood and they can do it. And now there are video games making so much money at this point where they were like, well, no, we'll just make our own film studio and we'll, we'll hire in directors. We can then control the out of the final product. Do and it we... the Marvel way. Exactly, yeah, do it, yeah, do it the Marvel Studios way. So I, I think it's, it's a very interesting 
possible future. It's Pro- a bit of a sea change, I feel. Yeah, I think it is as well. I mean, the problem is, it's it's Activision and Ubisoft. They've all got the same game essentially, so it's just going to be mm. a lot of the same the same films coming out. And if you want extra scenes, you've got to buy them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... Or they're hidden, they're hidden in loot boxes. Mm, got to yeah. say. Do you want to see like I don't know. I can't think think of any Activision game. Well, that's what? because they're all to the Tom Clancy games, yes. essentially, which are all effectively the same thing over and over again. It's not like I wish it was Capcom. Like I wish Capcom had made mm. their own film division. Because when mm. if Capcom announced their own film division, I'd be like, man, there's so many a Mega Man movie, ah, <laughs> oh, a Phoenix Wright movie. Although I, I don't think the Phoenix Wright movie is tr- t- terrific. Oh, it's oh, absolutely. I'm looking nice forward to see. Oh my god, it's amazing because it's doing because it's a Japanese movie. They are, they're just like, I don't, well, of course, we're going to make it exactly like the video game. Mm. Like, the dialogue is lifted directly from the video game. The we're costume, gonna, yeah, make all the characters look identical. Like, identical. Know. It's like, yeah, well, of course, it's it's weird and wacky. It's based on a video game. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. not like the, the, the Western way, which would be like, whoa, <laughs> we've got to make this real world. They're like, the Japanese are like, no, just make it like the game. Yeah, People yeah. like the game, we'll just do that again. Give them and, a real world haircut. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's wonderful. Are there any games that you would personally like to see a film or TV? I mean, this is actually a weird of? question. Are you a gamer? <laughs> yeah, no, I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, not not as much as I used to be. Mm. Um, uh, I, I don't get to play games that that much anymore. I mean, I do for for, for work, but like in my personal time, I don't get to. Uh, I'm, I am still playing the Spider Man game on the PlayStation. Uh, you know, and actually, I mean, I've got Resident Evil Two, the the remake on day okay. one. I still haven't finished it. Like, and you can finish that game in about two and a half hours. And I, I still, yeah, if you speed run, and, and I still haven't <laughs> finished it. And in my spare time, if I do get a chance to play games. I tend to play, you know, I'll play Quackshot because it's my favourite game or I'll play Castle Illusion or I'll, I'll bust out an old Sonic game or just play Sonic Mania because it's, it's, I, I find retro games very relaxing. Yeah, the familiarity. Even yes. if it's a new do- title done in a retro style, it's yeah. just like, oh, I don't I, have to really think too hard about what's happening. I know where I am with yeah. it when I come yeah. to this. But in terms of games that I would like to see get turned into a film, I once wrote a screenplay for a Splatterhouse movie. Oh, nice. Because oh. I thought, particularly in, like, in my head, I was working nights. Uh, I just got out of um, university and it was my first job and I was working a night shift because I was making a, a short film at the time. So I was working a night shift and then I would finish, sleep for a couple of hours and then I would go make my film and then I would go back to, to work again. Um, terrible way to sleep. I was actually very ill by the end of it. But uh, while I was working nights, I would often think about, I'd plan in my head a trilogy of Splatterhouse movies. And I'd be like, you'd get to this point and then this would be your second film and then you did this and then this would be your third film. So yes, yeah, so that would be my dream, dream topic. Because the game is sort of a composite of horror movie yeah, totally. oh yeah totally so it would kind of be going like through the filter of the video game back into oh yeah the, it's, it's a snake the, eating itself yeah, yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it would be a, a lot of fun to do yeah. that like particularly if you do like the, the third game where it was more of a, a skull mask as opposed to a hockey mask be like okay well let's let's step away from the, the Jason Voorhees evolution stuff. of a character <laughs> <laughs> an evolution of licenses <laughs> our game's becoming popular now we're getting sued so there's that and also I think it would be a really fun particularly like for a Netflix series or something like that would be um, Streets of Rage mm-hmm. yeah I think Streets yeah, of Rage yeah. would be really fun there's a very very good podcast that I'm going to recommend to everyone it's, uh, it's called Sonic the Comic the Podcast nice and I was <laughs> such a fan of Sonic the Comic when I was a kid and they're currently covering like the, the first Streets of Rage series which I didn't know but it was done by Mark Miller Oh which wow! Just kind of nuts when you like you think about it. But Mark Miller, like he wrote some Sonic comic, like Sonic comic strips, and then wrote Streets of Rage, 
And it's like this really dark and gritty and it's sort of like really murky thing. It's like this is kids comic and they're, they're battling... It's like Sin City Yeah, but, like, but they're, like, they're, they're battling drug dealers. And I was like, yeah. I read this comic when I was six. Like, this is, this is kind of bonkers. So, I, yeah, I, I think a Streets of Rage movie would be yeah. pretty rad. Like, especially if you did it in a very 80s style. So, you want to know the story of Splatterhouse, the new horror video game for TurboGrafx-16? They say he stalks the old haunted mansion. They say he's looking for his girlfriend. They say his only weapon against the maggot-eaten ghouls who took her is a two-by-four. And you say you want to play this game? Splatterhouse. Only for the TurboGrafx-16 system from NEC. What was a highlight of writing the book? Because obviously, writing a book's a lot of work. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, what was some particular highlights? Uh, uh, from a purely superficial thing, when I got back the the cover, like when mm-hmm. they sent me, like, here's what we're thinking for the cover, and I was like, oh, that that's cool. It's very shiny. It's a very shiny book. It's lovely. Yeah, it it it, it stands out. I've been because uh, I've been sort of reading it on commutes and things, and mm. when I sort of pull it out, it feels like I'm sort of. Reading some sort of, I don't know, gilded tome. <laughs> I only read the light, golden books. The light catches and the sunlight and sort of everyone so just like... Blinds everyone on the tube. So yeah, so that was... But I, I think it was just the the thrill of someone saying, yeah, I'll do an interview. Being like, oh, yes, mm. we'll arrange it. Like it was just, it was a whole year of arranging interviews and conducting these interviews and then listening back to them and typing up all the notes, which was a very laborious process. So you kind of like, you're listening back to your own self and listening back to other people and just writing it down verbatim is a very time consuming thing. But I I wouldn't have changed a moment of it. I, I absolutely loved it and I would do it again in a heartbeat. And yeah, it when you get that email through from someone that's just like, X person would really like to be interviewed for your book. They are afraid this time. You're just like, this is great. This mm. is so, so exciting. Like when uh, I got an email through to say, yeah, Edward Pressman would really like to do uh, an interview for the book. And I'm like, oh my God, Edward Pressman wants to... <laughs> I'm going to talk to Edward Pressman on the phone. <laughs> for for um, listeners who don't know, and also maybe podcasters who don't know, who's Edward Pressman again? <laughs> so Edward Pressman is a, a, a long, long time producer, but, uh-huh. but particularly for, for my uh, youth and, and sort of my pop culture knowledge, he was the producer on the uh, He-Man movie. What, Masters of the Universe? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So wow. like yeah, so we I was... went to see that at the Prince Charles yeah. Cinema as well. Oh man, that's another <laughs> amazing movie. Oh, I love <laughs> me some Masters I mean, of the Universe. Perhaps this is a good place to sort of end it because Masters of the Universe has is a maligned movie with a top tier villain performance, <laughs> and and boy howdy, there are some video game movies with equivalent performances like the peerless Raul Julia from oh. Street Fighter. Do you think the dearly departed Raul Julia would be happy that there are people like us um, who who love his bison performance? I you gotta think so because mm. like I, I'm sure that at the time you know he he was quite revered for his Gomez Adams. Mm. So you've got to imagine that he would have absolutely loved to have seen that everyone now is just like, oh, I loved you in Street Fighter. I loved you as M. Bison. For me, it was Tuesday. Because you know, <laughs> that's become such a, like a widely popular thing. It is, it is absolutely why we uh, released the podcast on a Tuesday. 
um, <laughs> just so we can uh, milk that. Oh, it, yeah. it, it's such a great performance. Like, he was someone who got it. And mm. I think that, and credit to Stephen D'Souza as well, I think Stephen D'Souza got it. I, I, Street Fighter, I've been on such a fun journey with. When I saw it when I was a kid, I convinced myself it was good. Because I loved <laughs> Street Fighter so much. I, I would watch it again and again and again. And even though I knew in my heart of hearts it wasn't a good movie mm-hmm. and it wasn't like Street Fighter, I would tell myself, no, it is good. And it is like Street Fighter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look, they are wearing the costumes. Look, Sagat is doing this thing. Look, Zangief's great. And, you know, this and you kind of like, you'd find... That's all true. <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is all true. But like, you convince yourself like, oh, it's a perfect Street Fighter movie. Mm-hmm. Until you watch like, you know, the animated movie and you're like, oh no, that's a Street Fighter movie. That, that's really what this should be. I mean... There's no street fighting in the Street Fighter movie. Just, no. It's the, really... the, the closest they get is intercepted by Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> storming in with a tank. And God they, damn it, Van Damme! Interrupt the street fighting. It's not even a street. I know, it's, but a it's, close, it's a cage it's, match. It's the closest, closest thing. It's the closest thing to one of the stages yeah. uh, in, a, in a Street Fighter uh, game. And then you kind of get into your teenage years and you're like, no, the film's just stupid. The film's this and the other. And now as an adult and I'm watching, I'm like... Oh, it's a comedy. Well, they want to entertain you, and I am entertained. Yeah, exactly. I watch now like, oh, it's funny. Yeah. And it's meant to be funny. This is not like, oh, we're supposed to laugh at it because it's bad. No, it's funny because it's designed to be that way. There's comedy sound effects in it. And I'm like, you're like, oh. And, and when you sort of see it through that lens, you're like, okay, well, now I get it. Mm. Particularly when I interviewed, and I have you know found the, the wild discovery that it's not based on the Street Fighter games. It's based on the Street Fighter G.I. Joe action figures. And then it's only like, oh, well, now all yeah. of this just that makes explains sense. explains the boat. Yeah, it, it, it explains just un- the boat. It unlocks the whole movie. Yeah, that's and it. And it completely retrospectively understands the whole purpose behind it. You look at it through a completely different lens. You're yeah. like, now I get it. Like, now it just completely makes sense. It's, it's a better G.I. Joe movie than the, <laughs> the official ones. <laughs> That's what Edward Pressman said that thing. is like, you know, I'm very proud that we made the first G.I. Joe movie. And, mm-hmm. he goes, and he said, he goes, and it's because of movies like this that, that G.I. Joe and Transformers got made. So I think we paved the way for, yeah. for those movies. So if you want to blame anyone, you can <laughs> blame Edward Pressman, I guess. <laughs> well, what's... Well, well, the cinematic landscape B if we didn't have the Transformer films. <laughs> I just like we just stop making them. 2007, just pack it all in. Do you know what my other highlights of writing the book was? And this is a very sort of it's a mildly off topic sort of thing. But I interviewed um, uh, Michaeline uh, for the Sonic movie. Who was, she was so lovely and she was really sort of like, you know, very forthcoming. And she was like, when we were on the phone, she was like going through all of her files, trying to find the various contracts to be like, yeah, we did a dealing with, who was it we had a dealing with this? And which is where I found out about the Echo movie because she kind of, she told me about it. She sent me over like the, the original letters that they had written to, uh, to the studios and stuff. And we were talking about her other previous projects that she'd worked on. And she were, she used to work for Marvel, sort of their animated division. Mm-hmm. And she worked on Biker Mice from Mars. What movie? Oh. Well, no, no, it's like, <laughs> just in the cartoon series, which I was a huge, huge fan. Okay, of. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I told her it's about everything. Yeah, well, totally. bikes, 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 mice, bikes yeah. Mars, Mars. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Yeah, aliens and stuff. It was great. But I, so I told her an anecdote from my childhood that my parents got me a uh, a biker mice from Mars alarm clock, and it and it the alarm was helmets on. It's time to rock. And ride. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the <laughs> motorbike sound would go. And, I'm glad that's a motorbike sound. Just not one of the mice go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I 
had always struggled to like get the alarm to set to be a specific time. So in the end, it would just go off at all hours of the, of the <laughs> night. Every now and again. Every now and again, at five o'clock in the morning, I would, time, I would wake up to be like, helmets on, it's time to rock. And it would just repeat that phrase and that sound effect over and over and over again until you turned off. My parents hated that mm. alarm clock so, so much. And I told her the story and she thought it was the funniest thing. And then the next thing I know, I had an email from the creator of Biker Mice from Mars wow. <laughs> who said, I hear you've got a very funny story about an alarm clock. <laughs> I thought you were going to get them to try and fix it. Can <laughs> like, just... I send it back? Yeah. Did you get it fixed? Yeah. Well, we used to have a, a Super Mario alarm clock, mm-hmm. like a full 3D figure with a question block and I think the snooze button was a mushroom nice mm. and uh, the alarm was wake up it's time to leave dreamland wake up it's time to leave dreamland and I'd just do that forever and of course you keep it running because you just love Mario and you like it when the battery dies and like it's time like inception or something well I'm sure we can spend hours talking about video game movies um but we, we do have to draw the line somewhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, it'd be a pleasure to have you back and maybe go deep into a video game movie. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so maybe we do that sometime down the line. Um, but in the meantime, do you have anything else you want to talk about or plug? Um, yeah, I mean, certainly the book is mm. a... Lights, camera, game over, how video game movies get made, available. He showed it off to like the, the mic, microphone. as if you could Woo. see it. Yeah, it's available from all good bookstores um, online. Uh, yeah, and I, I'd say if you are a fan of wrestling, I present um, a, a YouTube channel called Wrestle Talk, And we also have a, a video game and movie channel called Screen Stalker, where we have a daily magazine show where we go through the latest movie and video game news and do some let's plays of games and stuff and that's always a really good time we, we have a, a, a lot of fun with it so yeah so I think those are my, my things to plug if you want yeah. to find me on Twitter I'm, uh, this is Luke Owen yeah because yeah wrestling is your is your other passion it is yeah that, that that's the day job is uh, it's not actually doing wrestling it's talking about people who, <laughs> who can do the wrestling not actually settling it in the ring no exactly no no in the same way that when I was a film critic it's like well I can't make a film but I can tell you if your film's bad <laughs> I can do the same thing with wrestling because it, just as a sidebar wrestling has had through the rock himself being Star of Rampage, Star of Doom, the yep. aforementioned Doom, and uh, Welcome to the uh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. So and the next ta- level coming and out. And the next level yeah. coming out. So we've talked about him quite a bit on the podcast. Yep. But and Kevin the, Nash. Kevin, Kevin Nash, Nash and Dead or Alive yep. as well. Uh, today it was announced Dave Bautista is DLC in the Gears of War 5. Five? Yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah, he's yeah. in Gears Play 5. Plays Dave Bautista. Yeah. Just... <laughs> Hey, if you want to play as Batista, you can do now. You can now and do it in a wrestling game or Gears of War. Yeah. And uh, Ronda Rousey's in uh, as Sonya Blade in Mortal Kombat 11. Oh, yeah. gosh. She well. also uh, petitioned to play Metroid, uh, to play Samus in a oh, Metroid okay. movie. Yeah, that, that she said that would be her dream movie role was to, to well, play. Well, you can't see her face. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't insult on her face. It was more like, just act. that's the big yeah, problem that, with yeah. a Metro movie. It's like not much face in there. For someone to say it's your dream role, it's like, I don't want to really, really do any face acting. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, Maybe that's for the best. I think zero, Zero's suit with Samus was probably a 50-50 split between satisfying perverts and... <laughs> Um, maybe getting an actress interested because Brie Larson cosplayed as Zero Suit Samus. Yeah, in, like, I think Halloween she's, or something. she's thrown her tuppence into the Metroid wishing well. Yeah, so yeah. I, I could play two space heroes, space people, <laughs> space yeah. people. And I'd imagine of those two, 
they'd probably go for Ronda Rousey because mm. most likely cheaper. But I think they would they well, would certainly want Sonya Blade money coming in. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I mean there's there's a new Mortal Kombat movie in full swing as we there speak. Is, yeah, we've actually all, cast it and everything with all of the violence or something. You know. Yeah, which I find so fascinating because, I mean, perhaps this was Paul Anderson. I know you wanted to wrap this up, but, oh, no, uh, that's true. but I know Paul Anderson, maybe it was just him being defensive about the movie, but his whole thing about, like, why, why wasn't the film violent? It's like, well, the game's not violent, really, is it? It's like, you've got to be really good at the game to get the fatalities. It's not about the fatalities. It's a, it's a 5% thing. Mm. So it is actually really interesting. And he's not wrong. It is, you know, the yeah. fatalities are a very small part of the game. And what- it, it's a much larger part now. Mm. But it's it's a, it's it's really interesting to see sort of like or it's I mean I find it very interesting how the fatalities have sort of like overshadowed and it overshadowed the game at the time, even though it yeah. wasn't really the main focus of it. And it's it's strange that the sort of the idea well like a lot of people are saying about the, the film is like yes this is going to be R rated yes we're going to bring the fatalities and I was like no oh, fatalities in the first movie yeah. right? show me show me babalities that's what I'm looking <laughs> for on some friendship yeah I think it would be the most bold ending if it all ended on the friendship mood oh. and um, Raiden hugged Shang Tsung well brilliant well thank you so much for, for joining us thank and talking about uh, the wonderful wonderful world of video game movies and uh, we've talked about so much this is our 40th episode but there's so much more to come make sure to buy the book buy the Just book it's great it's the definitive guide to video game movies it's the only guide <laughs> I was the first and only person if you want to find out more about video game movies you can visit our website gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast or you can access it through tinyurl.com slash gofpod we're on the social media channels we're on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at gamesonfilmpod and you can email us gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com I'm on Twitter at Rory Steele I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music was composed by David Lightfoot. So I've been Harry. I've been Rory. And I've been Luke. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Goodbye.